0: Today is our final Sunday in our sermon series, uh, In Habakkuk, uh, Living by Faith, When Your World is Falling Apart. And this series has been very timely in that, um, you know, we've just gone through a pandemic, uh, you know, the whole situation in Ukraine, the devastation there, the killing there. And that's on top of any hardship that you might be going through personally, whether it's financial or health or relationships, um, our world can seem like it's falling apart. And when that happens, when we feel that, we have a choice. Everyone has a choice. Sometimes we run from God because, well, God allowed that suffering or that difficulty to happen. Or we can run to God. We can run to God to help us um, Process and come to a place beyond ourselves, and that's what Habakkuk did. And that's one of the things that's so encouraging about Habakkuk, because he shows us that when your world is falling apart, you run to God, and you can come to a place of strength and a settled faith. We can do that too, but we've as we've gone through. Habakkuk. Notice that Habakkuk didn't arrive at this place of deeper faith and and inner strength through platitudes and hype, right? No, he he brought his doubts, he brought his confusion, he brought all the the questions he had in his mind, his troubled heart. He brought that to God, and in that interaction between God and Habakkuk, he brought. Habakkuk to this place of increased faith and inner strength, even though his world was still in turmoil, even though there was still great difficulty. And that interaction happened in the first two chapters of Habakkuk. And so, if you missed that, a couple things. Well, one is, uh, you know, our, the sermons, yes, they're on video, but they're also on podcasts. So, if you Google podcast or iTunes, type in Second Baptist Church, South Hadley, you can uh, hear the sermons, like if you're driving or if you want to fall asleep, you know. <laughs> those kinds of things. But if you are new, uh, just you know quickly, those first couple chapters in a nutshell, uh, Habakkuk, he was wrestling with God because he saw the, the difficulty, the, the injustice, the violence happening around him, especially among uh, the Israelite leaders, the, the people uh, who were supposed to follow God. And so he takes these questions, he takes these prayers to God and says, God, what's going on? Why are your people this way? God answers his prayer and says, yes, Habakkuk, actually, I'm raising up the Babylonians and they're going to get rid of all of the unjust and violent. Israelites and Habakkuk he's even more confused now he has even more questions because the Babylonians they're even worse and he knows they'll bring even more violence and injustice so things seem to be getting worse instead of better and he's terrified because Babylonians they they do what those Babylonians do they're violent and they're um, so he prays even more he brings these questions to God and God answers him again and reveals that yes Habakkuk, I have a plan. Even though the circumstances are confusing and they look awful, I'm actually working my plan. I will restore my people and I will bring judgment upon the Babylonians. And because of that, Habakkuk, you can live by faith even when your world is falling apart. And in that interaction, Habakkuk, he comes to this place. It helped Habakkuk process what's going on in the world. It it helped him progress to this place of increased faith where that final chapter of Habakkuk, what we're in today, chapter 3, it's actually a praise song. It's a psalm. It's a prayer of trust and confidence in God despite the situation. And so now we're going to read Habakkuk's concluding response. Yes, all of chapter 3 is a response to God. It's his final psalm. But today's final section, it really sums up the place that Habakkuk has come to, even though he still knows what's coming, even though he still knows the Babylonians are coming and he doesn't like that, but yet he's at this place of peace and he's settled in his heart who God is and how he can trust him. So let's look. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16 through 19. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. So all of chapter 3 is Habakkuk's final psalm. That's why it ends with, you know, uh, to the choir master and stringed instruments. You are like, what's That's weird. Well, no, it's because the whole thing is a psalm. And his final response to all that God has shown him, that interaction. And so to summarize those last couple of verses, he, he's, he's basically saying, you know, I'm still, I'm still scared about what's going to happen. But even if bad stuff happens all around me, Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God is my strength. See, he has the utmost reverence for God, the utmost trust for God, and that allows Habakkuk to wait, to wait on the Lord through the storms of life with a strength and a faith beyond himself. Isn't that amazing? He comes to that place but, but lest we think that Habakkuk is now some sort of emotionless robot, that, oh, the Babylonians are coming, but eh, that doesn't bother me yet in the least. No, what it says he expresses real dread for what's coming with the Babylonians. It says his whole body trembles, he can barely stand. And maybe some here have experienced that, where yes, you trust in God. You've settled in your heart that no matter the, the bad things that happen to you, you're going to follow God, but you still, it's just rational. No one likes pain or suffering. So perhaps, you know, some here you've, you've got a, a, a diagnosis of, of cancer, and you're like, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not looking forward to chemotherapy. I don't want to be sick. Yeah, that's normal. Or right now, uh, our Christian brothers and sisters in Ukraine Right? They trust in God. They have this inner strength and faith, but yet the horrors of war that makes their body quake. They don't want their loved ones to suffer. I know I've been talking to some of them through email. But yet you can still trust in God and be real in not wanting to go through pain. So this one of the applications in Habakkuk, one of the applications here in this scripture is be real. And let others be real. Because that's how Habakkuk got to this place of peace and having his heart settled in God. Because he brought his real feelings to God. And with God's help, see that's the key, with God's help, he processed and got to that place of, of confidence in God, no matter what was going on around him. So don't hold back. Don't hold back when it comes to talking to God. He knows what you're thinking anyways. And so if you're doubting, if you have questions, if you're confused about what God's doing, bring it to him. He knows it anyways. And the thing is, is that's when we bring our, our, our questions, our doubts to God. He will help us process them and help show us things so that instead of these struggles and these difficulties drawing us away from God, it draws us close to God. That's what Habakkuk did. You see, too many people, when bad things happen, they lose their faith because they try to figure things out alone instead of trying to figure things out in conversation with God. Well, Habakkuk, he didn't do that. But notice, even now, as, as Habakkuk has come to this place of peace, of trust, he can still acknowledge the, you know, the prospect for pain and suffering. It still makes me shake. Too many times we impede people from, from processing pain by, by trying to, to minimize it or, or trying to get them to jump to this place where they have no questions, no... no that's just... And what we do is we, we cause them to not be real, to not take their things to God. Instead, no, really what you need to do if you have pain or doubt is to hide it. No. God's people are meant to help God's people, right through these things, and because even now, as Habakkuk, he's at that place of trust, he's waiting on the Lord. Because right? you can trust in God, you can have your heart settled that, um, you know, that God is—he has a plan, and I can trust Him, but still not want to go through pain. Again, that's just normal. And that Habakkuk, he's expressing his faith that no, I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to wait on God and his plan. I trust in him. But yeah, when I think about the Babylonians coming and doing their violent stuff, you know, he's like, my my knees quake. I can barely stand. And that's okay. And as people of God, we need to encourage one another. Habakkuk, he reminds us that pain and faith often travel together on this side of eternity. Pain and faith often travel together on this side of eternity. And his statement about his body trembling at the thought of the Babylonian invasion, it's made right alongside his resolution to rejoice in the Lord. Right? He says, I'm going to take joy in God of my salvation, even as he's acknowledging, but my, my knees are shaking. I can barely stand when I think about the prospects of the Babylonians. Those things go together. He's, he's saying them at the same time. He trusts and takes joy that God has a plan that ultimately leads to salvation, even if he can't see it in the short term. And sometimes when you trust in God's plan, it means that, yes, he will deliver his people from death, from pain. But it also means that sometimes he'll deliver them through death, through pain. Meaning you gotta go through those things to get to the other side. But God will lift his people up once and for all one day. But again, that one day, when is that day? We don't know. Sometimes it requires waiting. Sometimes waiting through pain. And no one likes that. No one likes that. Again, Habakkuk barely has the strength to stand, but yet he will rejoice in the Lord, and yet he will trust and rejoice and wait on the God of his salvation. So how can we do that? How can we wait like Habakkuk when our situation in the short term is difficult, but yet we know God has a plan, yet we've settled in our hearts that we're going to trust him. How do we wait like that? Well, we do what Habakkuk did. So first, be real, and I've already talked about that. Bring all of these things to God. And what I mean by that is constantly. So just because you come to a place of your heart is settled in God and one day, well, what happens the next day when maybe your pain flares up or another bad things hap- another bad thing happens? No, bring it to God daily, daily going to God with these things. Secondly, realize that like Habakkuk, God has a plan for his people. Notice he said, Habakkuk said, he's going to make me tread on high places. When he says that, he ain't treading on any high place. He's, he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But yet he says, I know God is going to make me tread on high places. He's going to make my feet like the deer's feet. Even though at the moment, he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. That's just, this is what it means to wait on the Lord. Wait for his plan and purposes for you to be fulfilled, which means clinging to him even in difficulty. In some journeys in life, including that journey to eternal life, there's hardship, there's pain. Even if, yeah, I know the end result's going to be great. Yes, I know I'm going to be with the Lord. I know that he's going to do away with all pain and suffering. But right now, it's painful. Right now, there is suffering but we wait through that. And when we, we say wait, that's not a passive waiting. That's an active waiting. That's doing the things God has called us to do while we wait, knowing that that will help us connect with God, that will help us be connected to God, so he will walk with us through the difficulty, Even knowing that on the other side, yes, there'll be comfort. Yes, there'll be healing. I think an illustration of that is You know, lots of folks here in our church have been getting new knees, right? Carol's got a new knee. Sarah's got a new knee, right? She's here. Uh, Judy, you've got a new knee. There's others who have gotten new knees in the last couple of years. Um, I feel like Oprah, You, a new knee for you, a new new knee for you, right? We hand them out here at Second Baptist Church. Everyone's got a new knee. Um, But the thing about, you know, getting a, a new knee is that operations no fun, And the physical therapy is painful, right? And a part of waiting is actively waiting, is you've got like you have to go through the pain of the therapy if on the other side you want the gift, and that is mobility and being pain-free. But you gotta go through all of that pain. It's an illustration of our lives, is that God has a wonderful time of of healing and, and wholeness for us. But we have to actively wait, and sometimes that means actively waiting through the difficulty and pain of life. Even though, yeah, on the other side, there's going to be mobility, there's going to be less pain. And that's what Habakkuk, he revealed, excuse me, God revealed to Habakkuk that he would one day restore Israel. And that one day he would take all the injustice of the Babylonians away. So Habakkuk, he could rejoice in the Lord, he could wait and trust in God as his salvation. And God's also revealed that to us today. He's revealed to us that he will raise us up. He will restore us. And in fact, we have more revelation than Habakkuk did. I mentioned this earlier in the series. You might think, wait, wait, Habakkuk, he was a prophet So God revealed a whole mess of stuff to him. We have more revelation than him because we have Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we have both the promise and the example of waiting and rejoicing in the Lord. We have that promise. Amen. We have that promise that God has tread the path of suffering for us to secure the eternal place. Because Christ walked the path of pain. He walked the path of injustice and suffering and and the path of death on our behalf. So we can trust him. We can wait for him because of what he's done. The son of God, he experienced more pain and suffering than most anyone. He was unjustly condemned. He was betrayed by his friend. He was mocked and and tortured to, to death. So, my friends, we do not trust in a Savior who's all talk, who's who's high and insulated from the world's injustice. We trust in a Christ who set aside his divine prerogatives so that he could enter into suffering, he could enter into our sin and injustice and defeat it from the inside out by the power of his self-sacrificial love. Amen? And we can trust in this Christ. We can follow his example. He felt pain. He knows suffering. And in fact, when we read about Christ facing death, and we're coming up to Holy Week, we're coming up to the days when we commemorate Christ I mean, we do that all the time, but I mean the, the, the time of year, the holiday where we look at Christ's death and resurrection on Holy Week. And when we read about Christ facing his death, and I encourage you, you've got those of you who want homework, I'll give you a homework. Matthew 26 and 27, 26 and 27th chapter. Well, as Jesus is facing death in Matthew 26, he prays. He prays that God would allow this painful cup of suffering to pass from him. If it was possible. But it wasn't. So not my will, but your will be done, he prays. And on the cross, one of the things that Jesus cries out, and this is found in Matthew 27, is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's actually a quote from Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is a lament of one who feels abandoned by God, who is confused by God, who who is crying out to God because he's undergoing suffering. And so we're going to actually read a little bit of that Psalm 22 to see how Jesus, he enters into our suffering. Again, we don't follow a Christ who's not acquainted with grief. Jesus is the better Habakkuk. Jesus takes our place. When we fail in this process, Jesus succeeds. But he doesn't take shortcuts. No, he takes the path to the cross. So, Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus quotes this on the cross. Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. That, by the way, is what the Pharisees said to Jesus. This also um, fulfills what Jesus was going through. Verse 14. I'm going to jump to 14. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So again, he's pierced. They cast lots for his clothing. Jesus, he fulfills this. But let me continue in verse 19. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. Yeah, he has not despised the affliction of the afflicted. He has heard him. He's done that by being afflicted himself. Yeah, he's not ignoring the cries of the afflicted. He's entering into affliction himself. He knows our affliction by experience. He's entered into it so that we could have ultimate victory in him even when we're going through affliction. So Matthew 27, verses 35 to 40, it really tracks with Psalm 22. From Jesus' cry of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To the mocking, to his hands and feet being pierced, to the casting lots for his garments. The Son of God has taken on injustice. He's taken on mocking. He has taken on suffering and death. And in his humanity he feels that sense of abandonment from God. Christ has taken on the suffering and this lament of the psalmist, he's taken it on himself and he's taken on the lament of every person who's ever cried out to God, why God? To every person who has suffered, Christ has taken that on and he has entered into it and he has overcome it and brought victory through it. Amen? Amen? Yeah. And that includes you if you cling to Christ, that includes victory for you. Christ took all of that so that when you feel confused at injustice, when you feel suffering, when your body shakes at the prospects of pain, like when Habakkuk was thinking about the Babylonian invasion, when your world is falling apart, You are able to live by faith because you can trust a God who will die for you. You can trust a God who will hang on the cross for your afflictions, even when you don't understand, even when you're confused. You can trust someone who would give their life for you. And Christ did that. He did that for you and me. You are able to live by faith in that God. Again, even when you don't understand, even when you're suffering he has entered into our suffering he has entered into our affliction and had victory over it and that's why the writer of hebrews this what he points out in hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 and 3 he says looking to jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Some of us today are weary and faint-hearted. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, who even in the shame and the pain of the cross he saw a joy set before him on the other side. The joy of resurrection, the joy of redemption, not just for himself, but for the whole world, for you. He saw the joy set before him of you being restored to God through Christ's sacrifice. And so if you're here today and you haven't grasped that, you haven't clung to Christ and the fact that he has he has settled eternity for you. No matter what happens in this world, cling to him. Run to him today. And in fact, on uh, August, so, so how do you do that? Well, a couple, a couple ways. First, August 10th, Palm Sunday, we're going to fill up the baptismal. April 10th. Thank you. April 10th. <laughs> April 10th, we're filling up the baptistry, right? We're going to fill up that, that, that tub. Why? Because I know that there are some folks who, in their hearts, it's been stirring. Like, I, I need to go, I, I need to proclaim my faith in Christ, that death to life through baptism. I know I need that. And if that's you, come see me. Because that's one of the ways that we proclaim, no matter what happens in this world, I'm clinging to Christ. His death, his resurrection, it's my death to my old self. It's new life for me. But the other thing is maybe like, oh, I've been baptized, so how does this apply to me? Uh, well, run to him. Run to Jesus in your struggles now. When we're baptized, it doesn't mean now all of a sudden everything's unicorns and rainbows, right? No, we still go through struggle. Just like Habakkuk, even though he had come to a place of faith in God, he's still saying, my, 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 my knees are shaking because I know the Babylonians are coming. There's something that you're facing in your life Right now, maybe in, you see it down the road. We'll bring that to God. Don't run from Him, run to Him. Besides, He knows your doubts, He knows your questions already, and He wants to fill you with his, his Spirit so that you're gonna reflect Christ, you're gonna reflect Habakkuk in that struggle, and you're gonna point to Him and the glory that He has. So run to Him. And as a church, one of the points of application for us is. We need to bear one another's burdens, right? And walk with that real hurt. Sometimes when people are transparent and they actually say, you know what? I am having difficulty. I'm really questioning why this has happened. It makes us uncomfortable. And so we want them just to get to the place of, oh, well, but, you know, I'm okay. No, let's truly bear one another's burdens. When someone has an issue, let's walk with them. Let's sit and listen and not just say, well, well, that makes me uncomfortable because my faith isn't secure. So let's just immediately go to something more light. Let's talk about some vapid thing instead of really talking about and being with one another in the difficulty. Because when it comes down to it, we do go through difficulty, but yes, we can trust him. He knows our suffering. He suffered our suffering. He died for you so that God's plan for you is to restore and to establish you forever in his presence. And so rejoice in that. Rejoice in that God has that plan. He has made a way in eternity for you. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in him no matter what is happening in your life. That can be your firm foundation. That can be your place of trust not your circumstances, not your feelings, but in the God who has overcome, the God who has entered into all suffering. He has entered into that mocking, to that pain, so that you could be with him. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, thank you, God, for making a way. Thank you for being a God who entered in to all that we're going through, and even more. Thank you, Lord, for making a way. We pray now, Lord, I pray that you'd be moving in the hearts of folks. Lord, if there's many here who need to make a commitment to you, many who need prayer, many who have questions and confusion, Lord, and we pray that you would work in this time, this last song, you'd work in it so that we would bring our difficulties, our questions to you, and Lord, that you would help us go through them. And on the other side of them to see you more clearly. Lord, we run to you. Lord, I pray that you'd be stirring up folks who, who know they need to be baptized, that they would they would do that. I pray that you'd be stirring up in folks that, that they know they need to come to you with this issue they've been struggling with, Lord. I pray that they would do that. And I pray, Lord, as a church, we would be a, a place of peace and of understanding and of walking with one another through the difficulties of life because we're so convinced, God, that we can trust you because you gave your life for us, Jesus. Thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.